At the age of 30, Joseph had been stunningly promoted by Pharaoh to second in command of the Egyptian Empire, using this extraordinary influence and affluence to help save multitudes from starvation. Several years later, he was dramatically reconciled to the brothers who had cruelly betrayed him. He then sent them back to tell their father that his long-lost son, Joseph, was not only alive but was a ruler of Egypt. Revived by the news, Jacob set out to go to Egypt, together with his whole household. When the family arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, Now I am ready to die, since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen. So Joseph settled his father and brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. Yet the famine was severe in the whole region. The Egyptians came to Joseph offering their livestock and their lands. In exchange, Joseph provided them with food and seed for sowing. They replied, you have saved our lives. Thus Joseph enriched Pharaoh and rescued the people from starvation. Thank you and a big welcome, especially to those joining us. Why don't we welcome all those joining us from Cambridge, from Leicester, from Cafe Church and those of you watching online. That would be fantastic. As many of you know, Karen and I earlier on in the year went and we spent three weeks on a study trip to Israel and we visited two of the, the, the main inland seas in Israel. We visited the Dead Sea in the south and we visited the Sea of Galilee in the north. And what really struck me again, I've been there before, was just the stunning contrast between two seas in the same nation. Uh, the Dead Sea in the south is named that because it is a dead sea. There's nothing living there. There's no fish, there's no fauna, there's, there's nothing there. And in the north, Sea of Galilee, it's beautiful. It's obviously the land where Jesus primarily ministered and walked in that whole area. And uh, fittingly, it's got loads of fish in it. It's got loads of wildlife, loads of plant life around. So why the contrast? Well, one thing both seas have in common is they both have the same source. Both seas are... Um, supplied by the Jordan River. The Jordan comes from the the north into Galilee, and then it flows from the the Sea of Galilee down into the Dead Sea. So they both have an inflow. Let's say that word, inflow. They both receive water. The big and the primary difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is both have an inflow but only the Sea of Galilee has an outflow. The question is, why is that? Because the Dead Sea is located, the shores are the lowest um, land part of the earth anywhere on the planet. 
And so all the water goes down in the Dead Sea, but it can't go anywhere. And therefore, the sea itself is full of salt. It's also nicknamed the Salt Sea. Um, I, yet again, swam on it. And, um, you know, Karen did a normal thing, be really careful. And, of course, I'm swimming around, and I cut myself on a rock. And let's just say it stung. It was horrible because the water is not fresh. It's not nice. It's got all kinds of toxic salts and stuff in there. Why? It's a dead sea. Why? Because it doesn't have an outflow. As I was preparing for this message, I thought, just reminding me, right in the very geography of the land, the land of Joseph, and of course the land of Jesus, is a picture of the contrast between two different ways we can live life. How many of you don't want your life to be full of death and horrible stuff? Ten of you. <laughs> Loads more in Cambridge and Leicester, I'm sure. But uh, we don't, we, do we? We want our lives to be full of <clears throat> life and all kinds of other things, good things coming out of our lives. Well, then let's resolve not to be Dead Sea kind of Christians where life is all about us, what we can take out of life, what we consume from life. Yes, to be blessed by God is what it means to be a Christian, but we shouldn't stop there. We need to be Sea of Galilee kind of Christians and allow an inflow and an outflow. And that's hardwired, not just into the geography of the land, but to the very promise over, if you like, the founder of the nation, a guy called Abraham, who was Joseph's, let me get this right, he was Joseph's great-grandfather. And this is what God promised over Abraham, and it's still a promise that um, has power today. He says, I will bless you. Anyone up for being blessed? Do you think Joseph was blessed? I will bless you, and I, and you will <clears throat> be a blessing. Be a blessing. So what I want to do at the, the last but one of our Living the Dream series, that means next week we're going to finish. How many think that's sad? It's a lot sadder than that. It's a lot sadder than that. Anyway, <clears throat> next week we're going to finish. But today what I want to do is a little bit of a kind of near end of series review. We're coming to near the end of 2017. And I think sometimes it's good to step back, look at our lives and say how we're doing. And at the end of this series where we've been talking again and again and you're reading the book and a life group, you've been going through these sermons, the children have been going through this stuff. How are we doing in living the dream? If living the dream is not just about how blessed we can get, we're already blessed in Christ, amen. But it's not just about how much we can receive. How are we doing when it comes to being a blessing? How are we doing when it comes to blessing others? And so what I'm going to do, although we'll refer to the story in Genesis 46, 47, I'm kind of assuming you're doing the background, and you could read more about the nuances of the story in chapter 10 of the book, and it's in, it's in the Genesis account too. I want to make this really practical, and I want to look at four areas that we can assess ourselves as to how we're doing when it comes to blessing others. And if you, if you can see that kind of spectrum, those of you who got your notes, you might just want to like, like to take them out and see where we're going here. Opportunity for you, write stuff down, take it away with you, assess yourself, bring it to life groups. And there's a spectrum here between selfishness, living, if you like, a Dead Sea kind of life, it's all about us, 
right through to generosity, being a Sea of Galilee kind of person. I, I forgot to say the Sea of Galilee, not only is there an outflow, but the, the water from the Sea of Galilee is purified and pumped so that it serves the whole nation. How many of your life want, want your life to be a massive blessing to many other people? So let's look at how we're doing. This is not a, if you mark yourselves low, oh no. It's a, well, when, what have I got to do? What are the next steps I've got to take? And if we look at Joseph as our example, <clears throat> he blesses others. First, he blesses those in his family. Say family. Secondly, he blesses those in the world. Say the world. So let's look at how we can, like him, be a blessing. Firstly, bless the family. Bless the family. Now, Joseph blesses his natural family, and there's lots of lessons that you could apply, and I cover these in the book, on how you can bless your own family. But I don't believe that's the primary application of this story. This is not a, a sort of a family seminar kind of message. If you look at the family that Joseph blessed, what was special about that family? They were a unique family. They were the descendants of Abraham. And so I want to take this to be a picture, not just of how we can bless our own families, but how, like Joseph, we can be used by God to bless God's family. How many know that when we prioritize what's on God's heart, we get blessed? And here's Joseph. He knows. Here he is. He's been raised up with such power and influence and affluence. I mean, has there any been anyone in the history of the world who's had a more spectacular promotion? I mean, let's remind ourselves, he was a slave. He was a foreigner. He was a prisoner, and he was entrusted with the resources and the running of the greatest empire of its day. I mean, in natural terms, would you, you would look at that guy and say, he's living the dream, wouldn't we? Extraordinary. But I studied this text for many, many years. And if you look at the later chapters, including these chapters that we're looking at in 46 and 47, there's actually very little focus on Joseph having been blessed. It's an assumption he's been blessed. Most of the attention is not on what Joseph has received, but on how Joseph is used by God to bless others first. He's used, as it were, as a savior and a protector and a provider for his family, the people of God. And Joseph realizes, I'm not just here because I'm God's chosen one. I'm not just here because God's been good to me, although both of those were true. I'm here, raised up by God, sent ahead of my people, my family, God's family into Egypt, in order that when they come in, they may be blessed and they may have the good of the land. In other words, God has a plan for your life. God wants you blessed. And he wants you to be a blessing, to bless others. Let me remind you what he does for his family. He's reconciled to them. Wasn't that a powerful message last week from David Robertson, reconciliation? He's powerfully reconciled to his brothers. But he doesn't just forgive them. He doesn't just get restored to them. Immediately he says to them, right, I want you to go back to dad. And I'm going to, this was with Pharaoh's full support, I'm going to load you up with the best of the land. This is in a, a desperate economic time. I'm gonna, he gives them new clothes, and he sends them out of Egypt back into Canaan. Imagine the procession, all these guys going in the equivalent of sort of 
um, chariot Mercedes. They're, they're going through the land. They're, they're, it's a picture of blessing. And Joseph is saying over them, I want you to go back to my father and your father and let him know that he's to come back to Egypt and I'm going to take care of you all and I'm going to bless you. And with Pharaoh's full support, I'm going to give you the good of the land. How many know Joseph represents the heart of God to us, his people? Doesn't God want us blessed? But we cannot just, as it were, be recipients of that. We can learn from Joseph about how we can be a blessing to others in the family of God and the people of God. Joseph waits. His father comes from Canaan. They have this massive emotional reunion Joseph pledges, he says, Dad, I'm going to take care of you. And as an aside, I love being in an intergenerational church where so many people are doing a fantastic job caring for their elderly parents. Amen. We want to be like that. We want to, we want to love our families well, don't we? And so they have this amazing reunion. And then Joseph, how many think Joseph was a busy guy? Sometimes people say, well, I haven't got time for anything other than work. Joseph had more responsibility, can I suggest, and more on his to-do list than probably any of us, I don't know, maybe any Christian living. And yet Joseph's not too busy to get on his chariot to leave number 10 Cairo (laughs) Street. And by the way, I we don't know exactly how far Goshen was away, but getting on a chariot, how many of that would have taken a sacrifice of thing, something that's very precious to us, a sacrifice of time? And then he spends time taking them before Pharaoh, making sure they end up in the best of the land, and then he's generous with them. He says, not any part of the land's good for you. I want to make sure you have the very best of the land. It's called the land of Goshen. So how can we learn from Joseph? All those centuries earlier in a different culture, uh, we're not, at least I don't think you are, as wealthy as Joseph with those kind of resources, but all of us have certain things that we can bless the family of God with, and I want to home in on two today. The first is we have gifts, we have a measure of influence, we have time. God wants us to bless his family, the family of God, by serving. By serving. I love the fact that Joseph didn't neglect his family. He didn't say, I'm busy in the workplace. No, no. He uses his gifts. He uses his leadership. He makes a sacrifice of time to care for his family. So how how does that apply to us here? How does it apply to us as New Testament Christians? Well, if the family of God now is not just a natural family descended from Abraham, but is a spiritual family made up of born-again Jews and Gentiles who gather together all across the planet in what we will call local churches, if you belong to this local church you can apply this to your life and say, I want to serve my spiritual family as Joseph served the family of God. And I could give you scripture after scripture, all through the New Testament. Listen to me very carefully. If you are a believer in Christ, if you are a child of God, 
it is absolutely assumed that you will serve the family you are part of. There's absolutely nowhere in the New Testament, I could take you to after passage after passage, it's not just not the primary text for today, but I could take you off passage after passage after passage that says almost to be a consumer Christian, to be a passenger is a contradiction in terms. Because you are a member of a body and you are designed to function because that's the way God wired you and you won't live the dream. You won't fully live the dream until you join a dream team. Amen? You won't fully be living the dream if you're just, well, I'm here just to, I just want to consume, I want to consume. No, the way we function, the way God designed us to function, that we're saved, praise God. Our future's secure, praise God. But then when you say, what do you want me to do with what you've given me, Lord? And it's quite clear from the New Testament that we are to bless others, including, in fact, first and foremost, we're to do good to all, but first and foremost, we're to bless and do good to the family of God. Let me just give you one of many scriptures I could have chosen. It says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Notice there there's no exclusion and no exception. Each one means what? Everyone. <clears throat> Unless you're a visitor here, <clears throat> you're still checking church out and Jesus out, in which case, this is the reason we do what we're doing, so you can come and discover God's plan for your life. But for all of us in all our locations, if we're part of the family of God, you have gifts. You say, I don't know what they are. Well, sometimes we just have to get serving and then we find out what, we're, what they are. I could quickly find, in fact, I don't need to find out. I found out over years, I'm not to join the technical team. <laughs> Technology frustrates me like nothing else. I have more frustrating moments. No, I won't go off on one. So I say, Pete, help. Somebody help me. But you have certain gifts. And what it say? Each of us should do what with what the gifts? You should what? Use them. No point having a dormant gift, is there? No point having a gift you never use. To use whatever gift you have received to what? Come on, shout it out at me. Is that our theme? Blessing others, serve others. Who are the others the, that Peter has in mind in this context? It's, the, it's God's family. It's, a, it's to the church. Saying you should serve others within the family of God as faithful stewards. That's that we could say managers. In other words, God has given you an assignment Part of your assignment, part of the reason you're still on planet Earth is because God has blessed you to be a blessing. He's given you gifts. He's given you um, time. And he wants to say, will you do what I, I've designed you to do? Will you function and bless many others? And starting right here, will you bless others and serve others in the family of God? Thank you for your enthusiasm. And the fact that we're stewards, notice the word faithfully. Be faithful. How many believe it's, in, we'll talk about work in, a, in, in, in the context of the workplace. But how many think it's important to be faithful at work? Well, then we need to be faithful in stewarding and exercising the gifts God has given us. 
And the Father is watching over what we do, because ultimately we're not doing it for one another. We're doing it to one another for who? For an audience of one. So what about you? I know for me and my household, for Karen and myself, we've resolved we want to do our best with what God has given us to serve the family of God, both in this house and as God is blessing us. We want to serve many other churches across the world too, in Jesus' name. Amen? The great news is, hundreds of you are doing a brilliant job at this. And I want to pause and say thank you. Hundreds of you, you know, in Leicester, in Cambridge, in London, in Peterborough, are faithfully serving in all kinds of ways, weekends, Midweek, groups, services, projects, courses, absolutely amazing. And so I've just got a short video where we really want to say thank you. And there's only a few teams listed here just from Peterborough. But if you're in any team anywhere in Kingsgate, take this as a thank you and a well done. And after we've watched this, we're all going to put our hands together and give a massive thanks to all our volunteers. Please watch this. Kingsgate, I'm always greatly impressed by the spirit of excellence I observe in the church right from the beginning of the service to the very end. My first experience in the Connect Lounge was that which keyed me into church. Great job guys, thank you. I'd really love to take this opportunity to say thank you to my amazing parent and baby room team. They always go the extra mile to make everyone that comes in feel loved and, and welcomed. There is a great number of people in, the, in this city that, that need God and they, when they come into church sometimes they might face a language barrier but thanks to the translation team you guys you're removing that barrier and uh, you opening those people up that they, they can come to God and, and they, they can meet him that's a great job thank you very much thank you so much to the hospitality team for everything that you do you do an amazing job and the tea is great I'd just really like to thank all the guys that man the info desk week in, week out. They get all sorts of questions, they have to know about pretty much everything and they always manage to come up with a solution or information with a smile and they're just great. Thank you to our stewards. You do so much for us every Sunday and help things run so smoothly. We really appreciate the things that you do for us. When I first came to Kingsgate and saw how the car parking team worked and everything like that, I was really, really impressed. And the whole church has impressed me with its serving attitude. And I just want to just say thank you to everybody who volunteers. And uh, since my first coming, now I'm a volunteer, and I see from the inside how things are working, and, and I see that serving heart in the hearts of people and in this church. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who volunteers. We honour you. Thank you wherever you're gathered for all you're doing. Incredible, amazing, faithful volunteers. So with that in mind, uh, those of you who got your sermon notes, why don't you just take it out and literally just for, say, 30 seconds or so, why don't you just think about... How are you doing when it comes to blessing your family, your church family, with serving? You know, there's, 
naught to ten. If naught is, I'm not doing anything through to ten. Uh, well, let's leave Jesus with ten. <laughs> through to, uh, you know, I'm really giving myself to serve, uh, you know, and, and just, just mark that. And then think about a next step. For some of you, it may be, well, I just need to get started. Well, after the, our services... We've got what we call a ministry fair, an opportunity for you to, to join a team. But for some of you, it may be renewed um, enthusiasm might be what you want to put down. Others of you say, well, I want to use more of my skills. I want to find out how I can serve in another way, maybe in some kind of midweek capacity. So just write that down. And let's continue. So number one way we bless our spiritual family is by serving. Secondly is by giving. Can we say that? Serving and giving. Giving what? Giving of our resources. Now, we may not have individually the resources of Joseph. We haven't necessarily got physical land, but we all have a measure of resource. And I, I don't need to say much about this because a month ago, we had Pastor Robert Morris, who's kind of one of the, if you like, the leading pastors and speakers on this whole area of generosity. He's an incredible guy. Spent a number of days with him. Him and his wife, have, God told them literally to give away everything, and I mean everything, house, cars, everything in their bank accounts three times. And God has blessed them back in return, and God has blessed that church. So we're talking here about somebody who was way up there, probably on a nine, nine and a half. And so we all have a, a journey to go. But the message Robert brought to us, of course, was, was kind of a how to get started message. And it was about how if we are to go on a journey of blessing God, blessing his house, um, a first step is by giving to God the first. If he's first, he deserves our first and our best. Amen? And he talked very powerfully about how, you know, the principle of first and the way we get started on this journey of generosity is by bringing the, the first 10%. It, uh, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe, that's the whole 10%, the first and the best, into the storehouse that there may be food. Where? In my house. That's our theme, the family of God, the house of God. Now, in the Old Testament, that was a physical temple. So what is God's house or God's household in the New Testament? It's very clear. 1 Timothy 3.15 talks about God's household, which is the church of the living God. So it's very simple. To get started on the journey of generosity in God's biblical order is we return what already belongs to him. The first 10%, we bring it. Um, and as we do, praise God, it means we, don't, we do it for God's sake, but we also do it so that thousands of people's lives, I'm talking in a Kingsgate context, can be saved and transformed year by year. Isn't it amazing? We're taking a, the portion of our income that God's already said is mine. We return it into the house that we're part of. And as a result, our spiritual needs get, bled, get met and we can extend the kingdom of God so many other people's lives get changed. Isn't that fantastic? And then as we, as it were, go on that first step, by the way, hundreds of you have been doing that for years. Fantastic. But if you take the whole of Scripture, tithing is not the end point of Christian generosity and giving. It's, if you like, the start point. We bring what God 
It already belongs to God. And then, under the blessing of God, the 90%, we come under His blessing, and then we start saying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with the rest? And how can I increasingly live a life that reflects how generous you've been to me? In the Old Testament, the above and beyond the tithe were in what we call offerings. They gave for great temple and tabernacle building projects. They were expected as devout Jews to give to the poor. And we see that same generosity continued in one sense, amplified in the New Testament, the book of Acts. They gave to one another. Um, 1 Corinthians, uh, there's a whole call on the church to give to the poor. How many don't just want to stop and say, okay, I'm going to do the basic. I want to grow in a life of generosity. Enough said on that because, as I say, we, we heard the message recently. But again, why not just take a moment, look back at your sheets, think, how am I doing? How can I bless the family of God, the people of God? You know, where, where are you at on that journey? And, you know, if you're not going to write down that now, think about it. Think, um, take it away and think, how can I move and grow in next steps of generosity? What would that look like? Be specific. So here's Joseph. He blesses his family, but for those of us who are familiar with where we're at in terms of our 2020 vision, we're not just to bless inside, are we? No, 2020 vision is all about turning the church inside out. So if we are going to fulfill God's plan for us to live the dream and to be a blessing, it is going to have an inside expression, but it's also going to have an out there expression too. And Joseph does both. That's what I love about him. So let's look at the second part of being of blessing others, and it's bless the world. Joseph did bless his family. That's the focus on these later chapters. But at the same time, if you, I'd encourage you at one sitting, why not read those later chapters of Genesis? Andrew's going to be finishing off ne next week. But read through, and you'll see that there's a thread. Most of the time, he's blessing his family. He's looking after his family. But then from time to time, it pops up again. Ah, oh, we rem remind ourselves. Ah, oh, yeah, he's also in a very important job. And he's being, playing an incredibly important role in saving the lives of multitudes. So let, let's look briefly at this whole call to bless the world. Simon, a couple of weeks ago in his message actually covered some of this, so I'm going to go fast. Two primary ways that we're called to bless the world. First is at work. I know some of you may not be employed work. You may be working at home. You may be retired and doing voluntary, but let, let me just speak into this workplace thing for a few minutes. From the moment Joseph came to Egypt, he was a massive blessing to everybody he worked for. I mean, what a contrast. What do we see Joseph as a young guy? Let me take you back all those weeks to the very beginning. Remember the cloak? What was the cloak probably symbolic of? Here's a guy, too special, too important. He, he hadn't worked a day in his life until he gets to Egypt. And yet wherever Joseph works, because of the blessing of God on his life, yes, but because he was diligent, he was faithful, he was loyal, he was integrous, wherever he went, he got promoted. Would you agree? He must have been a blessing to Potiphar for Potiphar to promote him. Remember, he's a Hebrew slave. 
He must have been a blessing for the prison warden to put him in charge of the prison. There must have been something about this guy. You want this guy in your company or in your school or in your hospital. Amen? He's a stunning kingdom ambassador. But I think what's most remarkable, and bear in mind, neither Potiphar the warden would have been what we would call Christians. They were non-Hebrews. They would not have been worshippers of Yahweh. But here's what's most remarkable, is he works for Pharaoh, and probably in, in a day, can I say, as we know from earlier on in the story, it's quite easy for you to lose your head if you're not doing a good job. Joseph stays at the top and works for Pharaoh and has what seems to be a mutually trusting, honoring relationship. Joseph never confused that Pharaoh's over him, yet Pharaoh gives him incredible influence. And do you know how long this relationship lasts for? 80 years! Wow! Don't you think that's an incredible example for every single... I'm not saying you've got to... Oh no, the same job for 80 years. But it does say something about loyalty. It does say something about Joseph had obviously been such a blessing that Pharaoh entrusts so much to him. I don't know about you, I'm excited about what God is calling us to in this call to go inside out. And I'm, I'm thrilled that all across our cities we have amazing kingdom ambassadors in all kinds of areas and spheres of society. Let's, let, let's, before we leave this theme, let's say, come on, Lord, let, let, let's see an increase of a Joseph kind of anointing at work. And let's see a Joseph company raised up all across our cities and our region. Let's believe for men and women to be raised up, not to prime minister, although that would be fun, but to areas of, of maximum influence for what God's called you to be. And let's be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's, um, let's do a quick assessment. Think about where you're at. And, and what would the assessment here? The assessment here would be, what, what would selfishness look like in the workplace? You don't read Joseph here saying, I want more pay. I want you to be nicer to me. The whole orientation of his life, by the way, you can pray for more pay. <laughs> but the whole orientation of his life on how can I serve Pharaoh well? How can I run Egypt well? He wants to bless Pharaoh. Is that your attitude? So maybe your next step could just be a little attitudinal tweak. Is work somewhere where you go, it's for me? Or do you go with an attitude of a servant? And then fourth and final area that we want to focus on, and this is under this whole thing of blessing others. We are to bless others at work, but secondly, and this applies to all of us, whatever we're doing in life, we're to bless others as a witness. Say at work and as a witness. This was the final and ultimate reason why God raised up Joseph. Yes, he was called to bless and protect and provide for and serve his family. Yes, he was called to bless Pharaoh and help Pharaoh run Egypt. But the ultimate reason why God took this young, prideful Hebrew boy, gave him a dream, 
gave him all that authority was because he wanted a man in position for when a famine would hit in order that multitudes of lives might be saved. He's like Jesus, but Jesus is far greater. He's a model for us, individually, but as a local church. Why does Kingsgate Church exist? Because we are here for the saving of many lives. Amen? And in Joseph's case, the saving of many lives meant literal physical salvation. Genesis 41, we see him opening up the storehouses that through his leadership, he's wisely stored up the grain for a tough time. And they come from all over the known world. They come to Joseph, and Joseph says, here you go, I'm here to save your life. And then in our text today, Genesis 47, after all this focus on the family, we're reminded that the backdrop is the famine is now severe. The children of Egypt and Canaan have run out. Without Joseph's help, they'll starve. And so first they give their livestock and their land in exchange. Joseph gives them seed. He gives them their lives. And they turn to him. I think it's very prophetic. It's very pointing to Jesus-like, the way they describe this. They said, you have saved our lives. What does that look like for us today? Well, on the one hand, it does mean that physically we can be instruments by God's grace individually and together as a church family to help people in physical need. Amen? Projects that, like Romsey Mill in Cambridge and the Care Zone and Food Bank in Peterborough and the way we're going and blessing our communities and overseas projects like partnering with Belembu and many of us sponsoring children in compassion and working with Heart for Lebanon. Can I just say we are to be involved because God's heart is for those who are suffering and in, uh, experiencing injustice and poverty and we're to partner with the Spirit of God to help make a difference in the world around us. Amen? There's another sense in which there's a greater salvation. There's a greater way that we're to be a witness to the great God who's saved us. Joseph, it points to Jesus Christ and to the greater salvation. Do you know all around us, there are men and women and children and young people. They may not be physically starving, but spiritually they are starving, whether they know it or not, and they need the greatest gift of all, which is salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen. And we have an opportunity every day of our lives but especially at this time in the run-up to Christmas, to offer this gift to many other people in Jesus' name. Why? Because as we offer the gift of salvation, it can change somebody else's eternity. How are you doing as a witness? You might just want to reflect on that. How are you doing, if you like, if, if it's... I'm just totally self-contained. I don't think about anyone else all the way through to I'm living my life for the cause of the gospel to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. How are you doing? And while you think about this, I want to introduce our last video. And it's a fantastic testimony of somebody's life who's been changed because somebody else offered them the gift. Please watch this. Hi, I'm Paul. 
I was um, born in London, East London, uh, quite a difficult area. I wasn't brought up in a religious background at all. Uh, we did go to church just for the normal weddings and funerals. Beyond that, uh, we really didn't visit church at all. We came to Peterborough where I met some new friends and started a business and um, started getting on with my life. But sadly, uh, some difficult things happened in your life and uh, made some wrong decisions. But uh, I had a good friends um, from Kingsgate um, and they, uh, they stood by me and they invited me to Kingsgate. Um, I come along to Kingsgate, I thought, okay, not sure if it's really uh, my thing, church. So I left it a little while, came a couple of times, left again, got invited again. Yes, my good friends were persistent in inviting me and they got me to uh, come more regular. Uh, eventually they invited me last Christmas to uh, join the Christmas service and I really enjoyed the Christmas service, it was fantastic. After Christmas last year, um, I was encouraged to do Alpha with uh, my wife, um, which we decided to do. I've got to admit, I was a bit dubious at first, but really got me uh, closer to understanding Christianity and um, the fact that it doesn't have to be difficult, the fact that we just need to know that Jesus is with us um, and that we can talk to him at any time of the day and any time he will give us his love. At the end of Alpha, I, um, I didn't commit myself, I wasn't ready at that time, but I continued coming to Kingsgate as much as I could actually. I, I felt quite um, dismayed if I couldn't make it. Eventually, uh, maybe two or three months later in June time, uh, there was one particular service um, that uh, really uh, touched my heart and, uh, and I felt that need then to uh, open my heart to Jesus. I opened my heart that day and my whole life has changed. My whole life is completely different. I look at life from a different perspective now. Without being invited to Kingsgate in the first place, I wouldn't be sitting here today and I wouldn't feel the way I do. And I think it's so important to invite people. Uh, so we've started a competition between me and my friend who invited me to invite as many people as we can. I've invited lots of my family, of course, and some are coming already, and um, I'm inviting new people all the time. If you can invite someone, invite them, because how can you begrudge anyone this feeling of Jesus Christ in your heart? <clears throat> Isn't that fantastic? Very moving, seeing people's lives transformed. How did that happen? Because some friends were persistent, they were a witness, they realized that they had the best thing, the best gift available, the perfect gift, and they gave it away. What I love is now Paul and his friend are now on a competition. Let's Let's have a competition across the whole of Kingsgate. Let's see how many people we can see come to Christ. Let's use this opportunity of this Christmas to invite, to bring, to see many other people's lives get blessed. But there's just another thing I want to say, and it relates to blessing the family. You see, in Joseph... To bless the family and bless the world were kind of separate, but can I say in Christ they're one? Why do we serve? <clears throat> Why have we got dream teams? Why do we give? In order that we might put on services and courses and ministries 
so that people like Paul who've been invited can actually be saved and their lives can be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go on an all-out mission to bless others. Bless the family of God. Bless the world. Others will be changed and we'll find we're getting closer to living God's great purpose for our lives in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Then we're going to sing. Father, I want to thank you so much for how much you've blessed us in Jesus Christ. But Lord, we want to fulfill your great purpose for our lives. We want to be the best because you've given us the best. Help us, every single one of us. I know many of us are living this way, but we can all grow and move forward. I know I can. For those who need to get started and take first steps, I pray they'll take first steps. For many of us who just need to keep moving on in this journey of enjoying your blessing and being a blessing to many others. So help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.